Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast, your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your Witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Discerning Gamer Podcast. You are listening to me, JB Fury. I am here with the DG crew and we've got an exciting week ahead for you guys. Uh, We've got... All sorts of news coming out, including news on uh, the upcoming secret Sony's Project Spartacus and some rumours that are floating around regarding that. Uh, we've also got some uh, some info that's dropped on a new Ghostbusters uh, multiplayer online experience, uh, which could be quite interesting. And uh, later on this episode, we're going to cover off uh, some games that we've We've decided that we've spent an enormous amount of time on, uh, probably uh, ashamedly in some cases. But uh, I can't do this alone. Uh, with me, we've got uh, in the room the PC gamer, the Sultan of Steam, the Hufflepuff student protected from dementors by something resembling a man's toothy <laughs> genitalia, Fergus <laughs> Fergamon Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Ferg. JB Fury, how are you, mate? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Also with us uh, this week, as always, we've got the gaming chef. Fresh from having stabbed Yoshi and then having his head shrunk in the Goomba machine, we have Simon Steely McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, Steely. Thank you, Joel. It's funny that every time I go into that Goomba machine, I actually come out with more brain cells than I had when I went in. Is it giving you more or less head? Okay. Um, and for that, let's uh, welcome in my wife. Jeez. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, this has to be a record for how quickly this has gone off the rails. I uh, blame you always, Joel. Finally, we have the Nintendo Queen, the connoisseur of the survival horror genre, defeating Samara from the ring, armed only with an assassin's fist. It's Casey C. Mac McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, Casey. Thank you, Joel. Thank you. Joel, I feel like we need to do one of these for you one day. I'm going to I write know. one yeah. for you. I've had my thinking hat on, Joel. Nice one for you. Yeah, well, really nice you one. know. Ah, look, it's one of these things, you know, some people uh, just don't need an introduction, do they, hey? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, welcome to the show, DG Crew. It's good to have you along. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to uh, to dive into, so let's get straight into it. We've got some details that have emerged this week regarding Sony's Project Spartacus. Now, uh, apparently this is Sony's uh, nickname for a service that they're in the process of setting up to, uh, I guess, provide a bit of competition to uh, Microsoft's Games Pass. Um, I must admit, when I heard about it, I was very excited about the prospect of something similar to Games Pass that we can we can access. So it nothing's been officially announced from PlayStation, but if the rumors are true, 
Um, it's got a big problem, and that's access to day one releases. So uh, while PlayStation gamers will no doubt snap up this uh, answer to Games Pass for PS4 and PS5, will Sony have learnt the right lessons from the rival service? So with Microsoft's service, now almost five years old, um, whatever PlayStation does has a lot of catching up to do. Um, so what are we thinking about Sony's Project Spartacus? I'm going to throw it over to you, C-Mac. What do you think? Me? Oh, gosh, no, don't talk to me. <laughs> the first I've heard of it. So yeah, you've obviously I'm... heard of uh, Microsoft Games Pass, though, uh, Casey, that allows you to download you know, a, a pretty substantial library Pre- of... Um, yeah, previous it's games. It's essentially a Netflix gaming service. Yeah, so, I mean, what we're talking about here is really a cloud-based um, access to, to new games where you pay a monthly subscription and any new games that launch for that platform, um, you just get immediately as soon as they launch. Um, I, thought, I thought PlayStation already had something similar. Don't, well, we, no, so what do we pay for? No, we, we pay for... Um, Basically, it's like it's their sort of form of luring you into online because you're paying for online. So you're getting a, a sort of a small condensed amount of games for free with PlayStation Plus. Oh, okay. Uh, what's happening here and what Xbox is doing is that they're, like Joel just said, they're giving you your entire library of games, like this, this huge, massive library of games. Right, okay. Bundled yes, into a subscription for the service. And, I mean, that includes, I mean, Games Pass with Gold or Game Pass with Gold, whatever it's called. Um, that allows you to play new games at launch as a part of this subscription as well, as far as I believe. And, I mean, I'm, I haven't played an Xbox since the original Xbox One and maybe when I'd go over to Ferg's Omar's house and we'd play Army of Two and I'd pass out in, in the back room. <laughs> but, I mean... <laughs> Um, Simon told me that story the other night. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I think this is an awesome... Yeah. Same with Casey. This is the first I've heard of this, and I'm really excited for that prospect. I think it's a very good idea. Is PlayStation going to handle it properly? And I, this this is something that I'm worried about. I actually don't know if they will. It Why seems like, uh, well, if we look at how... Um, I mean, when the PS4 came out, there was sort of rumors floating around that it was going to be backwards compatible with PS3 and maybe even, and and then with PS5, we've got the same sort of rumors backwards compatible with PS4. Well, it is, it is pretty much backwards compatible. Yeah. But I mean, at the same rate, I think that um, I feel like PlayStation is, is well Sony in general and not handling their sort of legacy content very well. Um, As we've seen with Xbox, like they've made so many games available for you to play from all the way back to the 360, um, which is obviously the glory days of Xbox. That was kind of when they were doing, I feel like they're at their peak. And so if um, if PlayStation goes ahead and allows us to play PS3 and PS2 games as a part of this oh, service, wow. I'm in. Yeah, straight away. If not, it's like, well, I don't know how, how much it's going to cost for me Wouldn't to just... be amazing well, to play? Unfortunately, uh, not is there... No discussion of of uh, potentially going back to PS2 and PS3 titles, but according to the rumours, um, where on the Xbox you see flagship titles like Halo Infinite and Forza Horizon Five accessible on you know day one, um, you can download them and play them straight away. Um, Sony are, are sort of suggesting that their uh, first party titles, like for example God of War Ragnarok wouldn't be offered as part of uh, a Project Spartacus subscription. Instead, uh, you know, it would still be available to buy through to traditional methods. Um, and, 
you know, the other thing that's been floated uh, potentially as an option, similar to like uh, what uh, Disney have done with uh, their Disney Plus Premier Access, where uh, mm-hmm. when a movie mm-hmm. comes out at the cinema, you can pay a, a fee on top of your subscription to get immediate access to a, a, a new movie, uh, like what they did with Black Widow and Cruella and, and some you know, similar movies. They're sort of suggesting, well, maybe if you're a subscriber to this um, Project Spartacus uh, service, uh, that then maybe for an extra twenty or thirty dollars, you then get access to like a God of War Ragnarok, or um, you know, uh, maybe the the next uh, title in the Horizon series when that that launches. Because um, there's another there's another Horizon title in works for the oh, wow. the new PSVR two, uh, which uh, should be coming out later this year. So I mean, how would how would people feel about you know paying fifteen bucks a month for this service and then potentially another twenty or thirty dollars on mm. top of that just to access you know first party um, you know triple A titles? I mean, would that would that put you off or would that what what do you think, Ferg? Ah, oh, well, I mean, if it's I don't know, I can't remember off the top of my head what PlayStation Plus costs a year, but by the time you pay for that and an extra fifteen bucks, you're two thirds of the way of buying and owning the game yourself. So. Um, yeah, I think yeah. at that point, the value that you get by being part of the subscription service has sort of gone out the window. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what PlayStation do with this as well. Everything I've sort of read about it and everything they're sort of leaning towards would suggest that, you know, your Ragnaroks and your games like that aren't going to be made available day one. And it's more of a, you know, giving our players an access to a, a PS4 and, you know, back catalogue type of arrangement. But, you know... The Xbox Game Pass is it's it's incredible and it's been a huge success. I think I think you can get if you've got an Xbox, I think it's eleven dollars a month Australian. If you've got just PC, I think it's eleven. If you want both, it's fifteen. And some of the games, it's not every single game. Like I don't think Halo Infinite's on there yet, but the Master Chief Collection is. Some of the games on there that have been released day one are incredible. Um, and at the moment, I think Tunic was a game that's getting talked about a lot at the moment. It's getting some really good reviews. Mm. That came out last week. That's already available. So if you've got an Xbox or a PC for $11, you've got access to that game already. <laughs> um, and the list now is is incredible. Now that they've acquired Bethesda, you're sort of looking at most of the Fallout games. You know, games like Age of Empires 4, which only came out last year, was pretty much available day one. Um, Crusader Kings 3 was another one. I'd imagine any future Elder Scrolls games will probably uh, go on that list and Starfield. and, well, and that Starfield's confirmed. So yeah. come the end of the year, if you're a, um, you know Xbox Game Pass member, you'll have that day one for nothing outside of your $15 a month subscription or whatever you're paying. So mm. yeah, that's that's incredible. So I, know, I don't know. Are PlayStation using this as a sort of, you know, are they trying to compete with Xbox? Well, uh, I don't think so much i think it's something that they're just adding for existing sony users something that's a nice to have i think that games pass is something that's really given microsoft an edge in the next gen console war you know particularly um like because it just represents such good value for money i mean if you can get access to all the latest games for the same cost as say a netflix subscription it's almost a no-brainer to Mm. to just go yeah i'll pay the 15 dollars a month and get to play everything that comes out. Um, According to this report from Bloomberg, uh, Project Spartacus will combine two of Sony's current services, PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus, uh, along with uh, offering access to a collection of modern and more retro PlayStation titles. So it doesn't specifically say PS3, PS2, but 
I mean, I, I don't know whether they consider all the PS4 titles, you know, retro as such, but... Um, Surely not. <laughs> um, so PlayStation Now, which is Sony's cloud-based game streaming platform, um, is a service that's difficult yeah. to sort of explain. Um, yeah, that's the sort of the PC hybrid for people that want to play Sony PlayStation games on PC, essentially. it's I think it's a cloud-based streaming service. So people who are, you know, like myself, has a PC that wanted to play some of these Sony games, you get an opportunity to do it that way. That's my understanding. I've never tried, but... Yeah. Well, with the PlayStation Spartacus, um, they're going to... Well, the talk is that they're going to launch with different tiers of access with the highest offering additional benefits such as, uh, you know, game demos and game streaming. Um, But, you know, it looks like with all these different tiers, you know, it's, it's just... It's it's adding all this complexity, and and you you've got to argue that the beauty of the the Xbox Games Pass is just how simple it is. It's one membership yeah. option, yeah. Um, you know, two if you want to bundle in the the Games Pass Ultimate. Um, you get hundreds of first and third party titles, along with discounts on games that are leaving the service and other things. You know, so there's there's a lot there's a lot there that that Microsoft have really fleshed out, and you'd have to argue that. They've got a pretty good model going, and um, I mean, uh, how many? Uh, I, th- I think I've read that that they've got twenty five million subscribers to Games Pass. Yeah, <laughs> that's huge. And when you look at as well, um, Microsoft and Xbox as a platform, it's obviously been sort of. No, I'd argue it's been a little bit of a step behind, considering it hasn't had the plethora of first party titles that lure people in it doesn't have your you know your your lure of the last of us of like naughty dog games or of santa monica studios and or or sucker punch for that matter but i think now that they're acquiring these bigger companies this is just like this is a platform that's growing and growing and growing and i mean i think um it had a lot of uh, a lot of success when um sea of thieves first came out when rare published that and it sort of was just like for me as well i mean i could subscribe to it on the pc and i could play sea of thieves if i wanted to for a, a small amount of time that i tried it out and didn't really care much for it you know it was fun for a little bit but it's really fun with friends i digress but the point <laughs> is is that um for sony to now keep up with this it's a tough act to follow and i think that if you're going to do it you got to do it right because i mean there's a huge divide in this market where if you are somebody who is kind of thinking about getting a PlayStation, but you really want a service similar to Game Pass, you're going to you're going to want it to work really well. If it's going to tie you over, but I mean, look at what Xbox are doing with all of the um, games that they release as well. They're they're all upscaled as well, as far as I'm aware. Anything that's backwards compatible with Xbox um, series is all upscaled to 4K. Um, that's that's an unreal service to provide. Um, and there is no game company that's doing it that well. Even Nintendo doesn't do it that well. They're trying sort of, you know, a little bit with Nintendo Switch Online, providing a platform to play old games on. But it's just so slowly trickled out to people that it's just like watching paint dry, waiting to be able to play games that you wanted to play for that little nostalgia kick. And um, I think there's just such a wealth of a library on PlayStation leading all the way back to PS2 that if that had become available, it's just like, it's just like dropping a bomb on Xbox in a weird way. It's just like, boom, have a look at what we can do. It's the same service, but with 
all of those great first party titles that we've had, I just don't see them doing it. I just don't think that they're going to actually pull it off. Well, I guess uh, time will tell once we get an official announcement and you know we move from something that's sitting in the rumour mill to something that's a bit more concrete. But um, look, uh, I think the fact that they're looking into this um, is a step in the right direction. But yeah, hopefully it doesn't uh, turn out to be a fizzer. Um, mm. Moving on from Project Spartacus, uh, this week uh, we saw a few few reviews drop on the uh, the alpha build of a new Ghostbusters game. So this is Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, um, which has been previewed by a number of different outlets. Um, it's being developed by Ilphonic, um, and it's a it's an online co-op multiplayer Ghostbusters game uh, where basically you get together with a group of I think three or four other people and you just go hunting hunting ghosts and um allegedly the the game really does a good job of of capturing the the spirit and the essence of um the original ghostbuster movie which you know is like a real sort of silly and um you know sort of pseudo scary rather than being you know like a like yeah. a tradi- traditional sort of uh, ghost movie um and um yeah i mean a lot of people are saying that yeah, this is looking like uh, like it could have a lot of promise. Um, what are we uh, What are we thinking about this one? Yeah, I think I, I think we could get into that. Sounds cool. Doesn't I think, it? Yeah, I think it's got a really good premise to it. I mean, the, the Ghostbusters sort of premise in itself as a, as a film is is a really it's, it's such a good movie. I mean, nobody can really argue how good Ghostbusters is. It's classic, and to actually actually adapt it to a game that works where it feels like you're a part of a, the group of people that are going to go mm. out and catch these ghosts. I think that's a really smart idea. I'd, um, I'd be interested to try it out. Is it something that I'll play for a really long time? Probably not because, I mean, these online multiplayer games, there's only so much substance to them. If it was something that was kind of kept alive with a live service, might be all right, but, I mean, live services make me feel very sad to continue up with i mean it's a lot of money to fork into it but so it's cool well according to to this information um the people that have that have played it um they were they were playing around on a map called the museum with two developers that were also ghostbusters and then a third developer was actually controlling the ghost and uh, uh oh, so oh, that's so cool. um the, the person controlling the ghost, it was their job to try and escape getting captured, but thoroughly haunt the museum, you know, like, and slime people and do all that sort of stuff before the, the Ghostbusters could stop it. And uh, apparently in the final game, there's going to be heaps of maps, a lot of unlockable customization for both the Ghostbusters and the, and the ghosts uh, with different abilities and uh, both cosmetic and practical sort of upgrades that you can access. I it doesn't actually say whether it's a live service model or not. Um, although, based on what I'm reading, I'm getting the feeling that it probably is going that way, um, especially because they're talking about all the unlockable customization, and that tends to be something that you see more with a, a live service game than than not. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting idea. I remember playing the the Ghostbusters game on PS3, and then I think I bought the remastered version for PS4, and um, that's that's a very fun game uh, to play in its own right. And I know the 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 guys that 
wrote the Ghostbusters movies, um, you know, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. I think they were they were pretty involved in in that game when mm. that was all being put together and everything. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I hope they don't take this franchise and and just you know shit all over it like uh, so many people <laughs> do uh, when they just don't understand um, you know something like this but well there's four of us and it's four players so that's it yeah. oh. the discerning game of quick mass ghostbusters who's going to be the ghost simon i'm always the ghost <laughs> <laughs> i slip into the shadows through the walls rock and roll <laughs> Yes. I'm keen to see a bit more on that one. I, I yeah, mean, I, I'm probably a little bit off the pulse in regards to the latest Ghostbusters movies and some of that stuff. But Me too. that original movie, those original two movies, they were just great. So I think if they can capture, like you said, that zany sort of comedy aspect to a, a show, which isn't really a horror, mm. um, I think, yeah, that one might be a lot of fun with friends. I can, yeah, and I that, think- that dynamic between someone being a ghost and the other three players trying to hunt them down. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun one. It's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? You know, um, no, I'm looking forward to that. Well, um, that's probably a good stepping off point for us to uh, hand over to C Mac, um, who managed to get her hands on a copy of Kirby and the Forgotten Kingdom when EB Games opened last week. Mm. Um, and I uh, saw you were standing in line with uh, with your son there, uh, ready to upgrade from demo status to to full game <laughs> status. I'm sure he was he was jumping out of his skin to to get that one home. Oh gosh, you know what's frustrating is when we put it in and we played it, it we had to go through the whole demo again because the demo was the beginning of the game, and I was just like, I can't cope playing this for a hundred and tenth time. But yes, um, we got it on Friday. Um, we've only so it's Kirby and the Forgotten Land, not Kingdom. That one. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and we've only played around six or seven-ish hours because we only got it on Friday and we can only play it after the kids go to bed. But um. Yeah, we're really enjoying it so far. So sort of the premise about it, the little blurb for it just sort of says, one day a strange vortex appears in the sky over planet Popstar, nice and original, (laughs) (laughs) sucking in everything around it, including Kirby. Oh, no. Waking up in an abandoned world where civilization and nature have become one, Kirby finds the Waddle Dees have been captured by a gang known as the Beast Pack. Now with his mythical new friend, El... Elflin, 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 yeah, that'll do. By his side, he sets off on an adventure to rescue the Waddle Dees and return home. So you know, a very in-depth story there. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, it's um, it's been really fun. Like past the demo, hasn't it? It's yeah. been really good. And um, a few things that we've been having a little bit of trouble with is the two-player option that they keep trying to push on us in the game. We tried it for all of like one to two minutes of the two-player option and it just it's it's not great it um the camera doesn't zoom out enough to help keep both players in the frame and it's frustrating because kirby moves around very quickly and there's lots of action so yeah yeah, it feels like it's slapped on there and it feels like when you're playing as player two that you're always being left behind you don't have the freedom to kind of explore yeah and you don't and you can't get the copy abilities or anything like that and um yeah so that's the only thing that was a bit bit sad about because i was like oh this is cool we can play this together but it's it's really not fun playing together so but that doesn't matter we've been having fun um 
they've got these timed treasure road levels. So they're sort of like little rifts in the sky that just sort of pop up. You can find them throughout the map. Um, you just uncover them by flying around and they're really quite easy. They're sort of, yeah, like little challenges. So you have a timed a time limit to try and, you know, slash as many boxes as you can in a time limit or, yeah, and use the copy abilities, um, yeah, in to, get their, to, the to get to the end in a quick time. Um, yeah, we just sort of wish there was a bit more secret areas in the game, sort of more secrets in general, Uh you know, Yoshi's Woolly World and Yoshi's Crafted World, there were so many secrets. Like, they were everywhere. You, you, every nook and cranny in the game, there would be something to collect or something to find. And, you know, we, us being adventurers, gamers, <laughs> we, we go everywhere. Like, as soon as we start a level, we walk behind us because we think, oh, there's something behind and there's never anything there. And it's really disappointing. So, yeah. The areas are very large and they're beautifully illustrated and detailed, but there just doesn't seem to be enough in the world to sort of, yeah, it, it's frustrating that. But, um, yeah, like we're really enjoying it. The Yeah. Does it I differ really know much? know what else to say. <laughs> does it differ much from the from the demo in that regard? I mean, I, I must admit, I downloaded the demo during the week and, and had a little go just to, I guess, see what the all the fuss was about and... Um, like I, I didn't get super far into it, but I got to the point where you can take over the car and and sort of mm-hmm. go driving around, and um, that was that I could see yeah. that that was you know interesting and and quite quite different from from previous sort of Kirby games. But does yeah. the does the demo? I guess what I'm trying to say is, does the demo sort of spoil all the good bits, and then there's not much meat left on the bone once you get to the real deal? Well, not known, definitely not. There are so many, that car thing is just like the beginning, really. There's so many things you can suck in. Every time I say that. Um, There's so many many different (laughs) objects. Shut up. Um, (laughs) Ruining a beautiful children's game. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, it's, it's really fun. We're really enjoying it, but I'm just really hoping I've said really a lot that it, the difficulty improves. Like, yeah, it kind of feels like that. It's, I mean, this is, this is across the board with all Kirby games. Kirby games have this sort of very casual, very light gameplay to it where it often lacks in substantial challenges. And I mean, like there, there are I, I, parts in this game where, yeah, there there are some challenges that are kind of hard to to crack and hard to nail. I mean, there was one the other night where, um, and not to spoil anything for you, Joel, but you can actually suck up a pack of stairs. So <laughs> um, you suck up a bunch of stairs and you can wobble around the place with these stairs and fall side to side. Um, and there was a, a challenge road section where you had mm-hmm. to just use the stairs. And it was really cool. It was a nice little puzzling area. I actually had, difficult. I actually failed, and then had to redo it. And I was like, "Yeah, this yeah. is good. I'm, I'm failing, so this is actually fun. It's but actually I, a bit of a challenge." Yeah. It's, but yeah, no, I think it's it's really fun, and like the fact that you can upgrade these copy abilities. Like, I'm hoping I've only upgraded them once, and I'm like, "Well, that was really quick. We upgraded that instantly, pretty much. Like, I didn't even get to use the first iteration of the ability, and then I've upgraded it, and I'm just hoping there are more." upgrades available sort of more feeling of progression because i i just think we're flying through it really quick so i guess just to just to um 
uh, elaborate a little bit for for any of our listeners who may not have played uh, any of the Kirby games in the past. Mm. Um, I guess you could argue that the main premise with Kirby is that um, on, on his own he doesn't really have any uh, sort of ability to fight or, or you know to attack or anything like that. And Just the whole premise is he can he can suck things into his mouth and then he mm-hmm. he sort of uh, gets their power you know so yeah so you yeah. suck yeah. in a, a a person with a sword and then all of a sudden Kirby's got a sword and he's fighting with a sword or yeah you suck in or someone like someone's got a hammer yeah yeah so yeah. so he sort of absorbs their power and then it sort of becomes his own but I guess what we what we're sort of hearing from Kirby in the Forgotten Land is that. He's absorbing not just other characters and their powers, but just random objects as well, like yeah. stairs, and cars, really good as well vending machines. Yeah, you vending can machines. absorb objects. Yeah, you can absorb those objects and still retain one of your powers. So, for example, you got you sucked up a fire character and you got fireballs. Then you suck up a vending machine. You still have that fireball ability once you finish with the vending machine. So really, these objects are sort of very fleeting. Like you're not meant to do the whole level as a car or whole level as a vending machine. It's sort of more to get to your next point in the game. So yeah. It sort of helps you get past a certain like obstacle in the game. So and I, I yeah, I think it's great. So far, have you got a, a particular favourite uh, object that you've sucked up and gone, oh wow, that's. Uh... That's that's really good. Uh, you know, that's given quite, me a... Uh, well, there was one where it was a fire hydrant and I just it, I turned Kirby, sucked it up and it turned into a big water balloon. So I got to spray um, water everywhere and clean up mud and all of that sort of stuff and that was pretty fun. I think that's what... How about you, Simon? Um, I really like there's this one that you suck up. It's like a big ring and Kirby hops around it and then uses it to, like, propel. So you can hop into a boat and... Um, it's it's just so. I think cute it's the animation funny. that's yeah. the funniest. The, the way he looks, just he just, just kind of looks like someone that's put too many muffins in their mouth, and then they <laughs> they can't fit everything in. But and then they're still trying to do everyday stuff, or they're still trying to talk. Like it's it's a really fun sort of premise. But I mean, as the game stands, I, I'd love to see some sort of update to it that adds an even harder mode to it for people that are. Um, you know, wanting a little bit more challenge like us. I mean, yeah. like, you know, with Yoshi's Woolly World and Crafted World, with all those secrets and hidden things in it, like Casey was saying, it's it makes the game, like it makes you want to explore a lot more. Whereas in Kirby, I feel like the exploration part of it, it it's kind of redundant. You, you try to look around places and you think, oh, that's definitely going to show you something new or that's going to unlock something. And sometimes it does, but a lot of the times you're not rewarded for your curiosity. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a hard one. You kind of like, it's a lot of fun and it's cute, but I would love so much more challenge within the game. And I think it would just elevate it a lot more. Having said that, it's so much fun. Like there's just something really fun and chill and simple about it. Oh, sorry. You're going to go in. Sorry, Get my the baby. yeah, the baby is getting very upset and crying. <laughs> I must leave you. <laughs> so, so um, Simon, how how would you say that that it compares to something like Luigi's Mansion Three, for example? I mean that that was that was a, a really good uh, Nintendo game, and uh, you know had a lot of secrets and 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 was very very challenging mm-hmm. you know, at times when you were battling with some of the the really powerful ghosts and that sort of thing. Does it? Does it sort of stand up to, to something like that? I mean, I think it's 
uh, it's really, funnily enough, it's a good um, comparison because I think Luigi's Mansion, albeit what it is, it feels like a, a bit more of a casual game. I mean, uh, I, I was really frustrated with Luigi's Mansion for having you collect, you know, money left, right and centre for it to virtually amount to nothing. I'm glad that with a game like Kirby, there's a little, it feels like there's a little bit more substance in this game. So even though I am collecting lots and lots of money, I can spend it on something. There's plenty of collectibles for me to find and there's plenty of things for me to go and unlock and for Casey and I to unlock in the Waddle Dee town. And when, you, you know, collecting the Waddle Dees and saving them actually rebuilds the town. And so it's, it's nice. It gives you some form of substance and something to do. So it always keeps you engaged, even though the game isn't the most challenging game. Um, but having said that, I mean, like like you were just saying, we just mentioned it's it's ripe with um, little challenges here and there and different secrets to find, but they lead to nowhere. Whereas, I mean, you know, with Kirby, there's not as many secrets and challenges, but at least you're awarded for doing what you do by being able to upgrade things more and and open up more and discover more as you go. So I, th- I think it's, yeah, it's 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 a really fun game, whether or not um, it's, well, it's not game of the year material, but I mean, it definitely is, a, is a something that Kirby's been desperate for for a while is to get into that 3D space and utilise all those fun little quirks that there are about Kirby in a 3D environment. I just wish that they would have expanded on it more and made the environments, environments a bit more open. Um, but apart from that, I mean, it's it's a really cool title. It's a good step in the right direction, I think. Well, having a look through uh, through the the reviews on Metacritic, um, it scored an eighty five overall, which is a, a pretty respectable score, you know, on Metacritic. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's obviously a range of different reviews, but it seems like the 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 reviews at the lower end of the spectrum uh, sort of complain that. Um, you know, it's it's fun, and you know, it's it's Nintendo, and there's co-op for f- friends and families, but it's all just so incredibly light on. Um, you know, there's no there's no challenge outside of 100% collection of items, and in beating Treasure Road times, the rest is simply a cakewalk. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that seems to be the biggest criticism of it. However, you know, it's still it's still scored remarkably well. There's, um, I mean, the the reviews are overwhelmingly positive, you know, for the for the game in general. So, um, it's just incredibly endearing. You know, it's it's a really endearing game. It makes you feel like very lighthearted. It's like at the end of a, a really stressful day. Sometimes you just want to watch like lighthearted trash on TV. And I mean, I'm not saying that that it's it's trash by all means, but it's just that same sort of thing where you you know you just want to play something that is kind of really relaxed and lighthearted, but you can still sort of use your brain to play. And so for that, I think it does a really good job of that. And I mean, Kirby's always been a casual franchise. I think it'll always be a really casual player franchise. But I mean, um, like I said, it would just be nice to see them hand out a, a really more challenging mode, whether or not they give you you know, less life or they only let you hold copy abilities for a certain amount of time or, um, I don't know, levels are timed. I mean, that would be a really cool thing to add to the game as a free update that just keeps people wanting that more challenge, you know, engaged and having a good time and and might even boost people's overall perception of the game as well. 
All right. Well, thank you very much for that uh, review, Simon and Casey. And obviously, Kirby and the Forgotten Land is now out on Nintendo Switch and uh, available uh, through the Nintendo Store or you know through uh, through your normal your brick and mortar store. Absolutely. Um, all right, Ferg. I'm going to throw it over to you for uh, uh, a bit of a discussion about a game that you've been into this week. Yeah, a new one for me, JB. I jumped into the free-to-play MMORPG called Lost Ark, which came out about a month ago. Um, this is a game developed by a South Korean games developer called Smilegate and published by Jeff Bezos and his mates over at uh, Amazon Games. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't think he would have had too much to do with it, but... Don't reckon. His mob. <laughs> um, too busy launching rockets into space and, you know, being the world's richest man. Pretty much. Yeah. Living the high life. Yeah, so this game, <laughs> I think, originally came out back in 2019 in South Korea, but it's only just been released everywhere else, essentially. Um, so that was, I think, uh, might have been the 11th of Feb last month. So, um, you know, it's had, you know, favorable reviews. Um, so far it's constantly sitting in the top sort of 10 played games at Steam and you know I had a bit of a check before we came on and it's still cracking sort of that half a million player count in the peak pink count that's so pretty respectable you know MMOs are sort of notorious for when once they launch everyone sort of gets on the bandwagon and things sort of fizzle out so it's still early in the uh, you know in the release of that game so we'll just see what happens over the next couple of months but initially yeah it's getting really good reviews and heaps of people are playing it um, so yeah, I just thought I'd jump in and give it a bit of a crack. So first impressions of the game and the asterisks of the first impressions is I haven't even cracked five hours yet. So this is, you know... Pretty early days. This is as fresh as impressions come. Yeah. But, you know, it's got that classic isometric sort of camera angle. I don't know, JB, you'd be familiar with your Fallout 1s and 2s. Yeah, and Fallout 1 and 2, all the XCOM games. There's uh, There's been a lot of really, really good games that have used that isometric sort of model. And Yeah, and your, your Di- Diablos and Starcrafts and Age of Empires. So it's got that really cool yeah. aesthetic as far as that isometric. You know, they describe it as the 2.5D, sort of 3D, but it's not quite all the way. But um, yeah, it's sort of, it, it's nearly as if maybe Diablo, Final Fantasy, and maybe WoW all smashed together to have a, I don't know, a brainchild, a baby. It sort of it sort of picks and chews and has aesthetics from those three games. Um, and overall, it looks great. And, you know, one thing as well that stuck out, which I always enjoy, get a kick out, is how great water in this one, JB. So oh, there was love, a few, love a good water effect. There's a few good flowing <laughs> streams and, you know, water, you know, coming up to the beach and stuff like that look really cool. Probably the biggest thing which I really enjoyed is just the combat as far as the gameplay look is unreal. It feels really, really good. So, you know, like all MMOs, it's got a whole stack of classes. They've got subclasses as well. So, you know, I, I picked a warrior, berserker, I think it was called. And just the satisfaction you get by aggroing a whole stack of enemies and then basically luring them into a big huddle and then just dispatching them with your oversized, you know, sword and this bloody mess was was unreal so i mean that aesthetic i haven't really i mean you see it in mmos but that for me specifically stood out has mm. been really really cool um story so plenty, of, plenty of blood and guts uh, yeah that's it going just, around just remembering you know all sorts of enemies and even in five hours i've come across a whole array of different enemies which is sort of interesting cool to look at so there's a good variety so- there any ability to like sever limbs uh, <laughs> similar to like chivalry 2 for example I know, yeah, I know you're laughing, Simon, but 
if you, I watched a video on on Twitch of uh, someone playing Chivalry Two, and he's literally like uh, cut a bloke's head off and then picked the head up and thrown it at another enemy and killed him <laughs> with it. Um, it was it was amazing, and it, I don't know. There's just something about about having that as you an just option. love severing limbs. I know that that's that's a big thing for you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean. Uh, this takes me back to the days of Soldier of Fortune on uh, on PC, where uh, you know the the first gun you got in the game, which was like a Desert Eagle, uh, you you shoot someone in any limb and it would immediately blow the limb off, and you know uh, you know it was just amazing. Um, yeah. It's good fun. Yeah, maybe not to that quite level of detail, but yeah, there's sort of you know you, your hotkey abilities or whatever. There's one where you sort of raise your sword in the air and you slam it in the ground and basically any enemy within, you know, in that proximity just gets sort of bloodied to a nothingness. It's uh, the aesthetic of this game looks really, really good. Um, as far as story, I don't know. It's, you know, I'm five hours in. I sort of made... I mean, who, give, who really gives a shit about the story of, <laughs> yeah. a, of a MMO? Yeah. It's, I mean, story and MMO is one of those things if I think if you're going to do it you really need to sort of sit down and really invest yourself into the lore and I think by doing that you can get a lot out of the game but I sort of skipped the prologue and it was more about just jumping in and mm. just getting some you know initial impressions and seeing what I thought so I didn't really spend too much sort of thinking about the lore and you know in, f- in five hours not, not much is really going anyway but you know, outside of those things, it's got all the other things which uh, everyone who's ever played an MMO would know about. You know, mounts and fetch quests and emotes and guilds and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, so five hours in, seems like a lot of fun. That one's free as well, which is um, is really good. So not much of an investment outside of your time to jump into that one, which is, is super cool. So given that it's a live service model game, where where are they pulling the money out your pockets? What, yeah. what, what, are you, what are you having to pay for? Are you pay, Is it a pay-to-win scenario where you're having to buy, you know, uh, upgraded weapons and everything? Or are they more cosmetic uh, sort of things that you're buying? Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, there's none of that, which is good. So there's none of this pay-to sort of cheat your way to a, you know, to the top kind of thing. I think most of the money is invested in yeah your cosmetic things your mounts and you know a slither of this is until jeff bezos swans yeah, in in his it. solid gold armor with you know <laughs> uh, you know giant uh, blade uh, you know just cleaving people in in half yeah no i mean the money you spend is on things to make the whole sort of thing more enjoyable so you know do you reckon someone like jeff bezos builds a game like this just so he can be like the king dick you know come in and just just, just cut everyone down and just I wonder if Bezos is a gamer. Maybe. I don't know. Might look into that. Hmm. Maybe he's sitting at home playing this game flat out. Yeah, pounding out a bit of arc. Yeah, so it's not arc. it's it's not pay to win, but it's more around <laughs> buy things which makes the game experience a bit more enjoyable. And if you ever played MMOs, you always get capped with a backpack that only has a certain amount of slots. So you can upgrade to have things like things that just make it more enjoyable but doesn't necessarily give you an advantage over everyone. So else. more just sort of quality of life upgrades yeah, that's rather it. than, you know, that's uh, exactly right. going in there and, you know, buying a mini gun that I can go out in the battlefield with and Pretty much. you know, just be gunning down people everyone. with with swords. Yeah, but yeah, jumped into that first impressions it was pretty good and you always, you know, I sort of left playing it with that I haven't played an MMO for quite a probably a number of years now and so sort of reflecting on it it sort of sort of sparked that itch. That MMO itch, which has sort of intrigued me to uh, scratch. So whether it's 
in Lost Ark or whether it's another MMO, we'll just watch this space. But, you know, thinking of MMOs, it's been a pretty good six months, I think, for PC gamers and new MMOs. Another one that's, interestingly enough, another one that's been published by Amazon Games, Jeff Bezos again, mm. is another game called New World. Big Jeff. Yeah. So that's a game that they actually not only published, but they actually developed. So their game studio developed that one as well. So New World, again, it's the same sort of thing. Big role-playing game in a massive world space um that one's a little bit different the reviews on that one have been a little bit more mixed um that game came out i think it was late september last year i think the 29th was the date and they had all kind of sort of i think the actual launch of the mmo was fine but they were obviously really undercated for the amount of players that they either were expecting or could handle so there was all sorts of issues with people queuing for five hours to get into a world and then jump in for 30 minutes and get kicked and so they had, to, they had a few teething issues as far as servers but i was on the uh, steam page for that one the other day and i was reading some comments and I, one sort of caught my interest in my eye was this guy he, he was leaving it a negative review and i didn't read the whole review because it was about 55 pages long but the crux <laughs> the crux of it was that he was banned for some reason but i did notice that when he left his review it was the 5th of march and at that point, he'd played 1,554 hours. And when I first saw that, I didn't really bat an eye eyelid because MMOs are sort of notorious as far as games where you just sink a big investment of time in. So I thought 1,500 hours, it's not that unsurprising. But then I thought, hang on a second, Lost World, sorry, New World came out the 29th of September. And so he was banned on the 5th, he left a review. So between the 5th of March and the day that it came out, which was the 20th, was 157 days. So pulled my calculator out, and that equates to, if you're doing some rounding, is 10 hours a day playing <gasps> New World for five months straight. So that says a lot. Oh my Probably God. that he's got a lot oh of disposable time on his hands. Um, but what, you, you know. don't have 10 hours a day to just sink into... Jeff Bezos' latest uh, I mean, it, foray. Even if this was a full-time job. child services on me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even if you had a full-time job of playing this game, still to do 10 hours for f just over five months every single day, like a 10-hour working day is a long day. Jeez, you must bloody love the game to be playing it that much. Yeah. But I anyway, mean, I digress because the segue where I'm going, thanks for hanging on with me here, is I thought, yeah, next time <laughs> we do the podcast, I'm, I'm really interested to sit down with the DG crew and sort of pick their brains on... You know, what game or games or series of games that we have all played, which we've sunk maybe not 1,500 hours into, but a lot of time into? It's sort of one of these things, uh, you know, where you, you basically take a large amount of time and just... Just completely incinerate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, that was good. You'd, you'd I, I be think that, uh, a joke like that needs a visual. <laughs> you'd, you'd be hard pressed to find too many gamers, I think, who haven't experienced this. Where uh, you know you sit down, you start playing, and then you look out the window, and it's three o'clock in the morning, you know, and and you know that you just left there asking yourself. Tell me where did the time yeah anyway um well just just on that um the 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 game that i'd like to to kick off um this segment with is a is a little uh, real-time strategy game called knights and merchants it's been 84 years 
and I can still smell the fresh paint. It's uh, <laughs> it's one of these games. I uh, I can't even remember how I found it. I think it was a, a friend of mine who was playing it. He's he's gone. Oh yeah, you gotta have a look at this. Um, we we're big into real time strategy games at the time, and so I've sat down and and you know fired it up. And uh, it's one of these games where you um, you have you have like your military units who who can go off and fight. And then you have like a bunch of units that that don't do any fighting. They just basically ferry resources around your town, and there's just so many resources to mine or produce. So, you know, you, you set up a farmer who who produces corn in fields, and then the corn can get delivered to the mill to make flour, and then the flour gets delivered to the bakery to make bread. and And there's so many of these little convoluted supply chains that you've got to build, and I could just, I just sat there for hours and hours building up all these little supply chains, and oh yeah, I've got a farmer over here that's making wine. I've got, you know, a guy over here that's digging out, you know, iron ore, and and I've got a coal miner over here. And if I bring the iron ore and the coal together, they can smelt them and make steel bars, which I can then make my my armor and my swords. And you know, I reckon I must have sat there one day and spent seven or eight hours playing the game. So once again, just seeing my time just um, <laughs> go like that, and uh, at the end of it, I don't think I'd made a single fighting unit. I, I just had a warehouse full of of shit, uh, you know, weapons, armor, horses, all of that, and uh, the enemies in the game just don't attack you unless provoked. So yeah, you can right. you could just sit there indefinitely, just collecting resources. Yeah, you know, over and over, and and just building up your your little town, and I don't know, it's it's a weirdly addictive little game, but mm. uh, yeah, that's that's knights and merchants. Um, what about you, Simon? Uh, what uh, what game would you uh, say that you've burnt a lot of time on? This is probably one of my favorite favorite games on the PS3. Uh, when it came out, I was anticipating it highly from the moment that it was announced to the moment it was released. And I I think I put about 90 hours into it and I haven't even finished the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm talking about Nino Cooney, Wrath of the White Witch. Now, this, this game is, um, I don't know if you've seen this or if you heard about this, um, Nino Cooney is a game that was, when it first came out, it was published by Level 5 Games for the PS3 um, as an exclusive. And it was, I mean, there was also a side game that was made on the DS. It was like a, it's just such a weird platform to bring the same game out on, on the DS. But um, this game was in conjunction and made with, uh, alongside Studio Ghibli. So it, um, it had these incredible incredible uh, cut scenes that were all done just like a Ghibli film. Um, but and then the whole game retained that art style. It was all cell shaded. All the, It was just so full of life. And it was such a joy to find your way into this world and into the story. It's one, still to this day, one of my favourite, most favourite gaming experiences. But, and this, this is where you come in, Jabes. Um, so I, I was playing this game and I, I was that invested in it. I was going through every side quest of it. I was doing every single little mission you could off the side of, 
you know, your your little town. In the town, there was this board kind of not dissimilar to Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door where it had people's requests up on it. And you could just go and see the requests and accept them and go out into the, the world and complete them. And I was doing every single one because, I mean, as much as I love the game, I was absolute trash at it. So I was trying to get as powerful as possible and level up all of my little familiars. And um, then it got to a point when I... You know, I had this game, but I was playing it on your PS3, Joel. And then I moved out from living with you and Beck and I got my own PS3 and I put it in there thinking, oh, yeah, you know, like, you know, I'm an idiot. I can just put this in and play the game and start <laughs> off with my save file. But that is not the case. So I have all of this saved game that was just sitting on your, your PlayStation <laughs> and I've gone... Oh my gosh! I've got ninety hours in this game. I hate, and I hate to I break actually, it to you, Simon, but we I formatted gone. the PlayStation and sold it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this game I poured so much time into it, and and I was so invested. And then when I got to me playing on my own PS3, I just went, I don't want to do all that again. Like yeah. it was, uh, I'd I'd been so into each of my familiars it was kind of like pokemon you know you, you are leveling yeah. up all these familiars and you use them to fight in boss battles and things but you can also use magic it was just you know it's a wild game it's an amazing game so just and thinking back to when you I, when you first started it you were just thinking something along the lines of it's been 84 years and i can still <laughs> smell the fresh paint <laughs> It's the pain they get for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt that same way, but with the um, opening up the, the game case and mm, smelling the game case and just going, oh, I just loved that game. And I still love it. Number two just didn't do it for me, but number one just set this tone. And I just, if only I could go back and, yep. I don't know, if only sign you into could, my PS3 with your account. If only you could go back and just set fire to wow. another another entire, you know, chunk of your life. Oh, is that what that is? For? But I mean, I never finished the game. So here's me going, I, I think I got probably a third of the way through and I put we in should, 90 we hours. We should play it together. We should play oh, it. it's too big. I can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it, but I can't be bothered. Casey, what about you? What, uh, what game have you just burnt an, an incredible amount of time on? Oh, goodness. I think like many people, Animal Crossing New Horizons is my game. Well, there goes your time. Is that uh, it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm assuming lots of people have played this. It came out right when COVID was sort of at the height. So people were stuck at home. And, yeah, this was sort of a, a, an escape, I guess, to play. And I've never really played played a proper Animal Crossing game before. And it, yeah, I can't even tell you how many, it's it's embarrassing, I reckon, how long we played that game for. And it's it's just, what, collecting apples. <laughs> <laughs> and like just, just making a town. But, you know, I'm a sucker for Sims and all of that as well, which is another one that I've spent too long of my life playing but yeah we just played it non-stop it was non-stop because it's such a family friendly game I remember we had our son we hadn't had our second one yet so it was our younger our oldest son was little 
and yeah, we would just play it when he was running around and doing stuff. You know, he wouldn't pay attention, but because it was so family, you know, it's just a nothing game, really. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so I reckon. Well, how many hours? Like two hundred over two hundred. Oh, there's something ridiculous. And then Simon got went got a new job and went back to work, and I would keep playing it during the naps, and it was just insane. Like I would, I don't know what it was about it. I think. It, it's, it was just something relaxing during a really stressful time. And yeah, it was, it's just a wonderful game and I, I would love to get back into it, but I look at how long I played it for and I. So when, when you, when you think about how long you played it for, do you reckon it'd be something uh, like. It's been 84 years <laughs> and I can still smell the fresh paint. Honestly, I think it's been around 85 years I've played it for. It feels like it. It, it was, it was, there was, we played it so much. Yeah. And just, you know, fishing and you could go at different, there's different events and they had different packs come out. But eventually we just realised that we were just wasting our life playing this game that wasn't really giving us much reward. You get to a point with it and you go, I think I've done everything that I want to do yeah. now. <laughs> like I've met a lot of people. I've moved a lot of people in. I've kicked a lot of people out. I was rude to a lot of people. You know, <laughs> I've caught the shark. I've caught this. I've it's done like this. Life. <laughs> it's just my life. Seems yeah. like a lot of these games have sunk hours into a lot of these sort of farming kind of, you know, waiting games, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, it's I just like, a, yeah. And, and, sorry, uh, it's such a wholesome experience as well, though. It's like it was it's one of those so games wonderful. that you just sit down and you play it, and the whole time you're just kind of like, oh, that's cute. And oh, you don't even nice. need to think, really. That's what I liked about yeah. it. It was kind of just a sort of a, yeah, just yeah. just good bit of bit of a contrast between aesthetic. between you know playing Animal Crossing and customizing your player's pubic hair in uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> yeah, I, almost, yeah, a, yeah. Oh, almost extreme opposites of the, uh, of the spectrum there. Maybe uh, maybe on the next one, JB. But yeah, I, I, well, I, I don't know. Can you customize wanna... your player's pubic hair in uh, Animal Crossing? Or, oh, uh, I wouldn't want to see my hair. I look forward to the, the Nintendo Direct where they're like, in this year's Animal Crossing title, you'll be able to customize your pubic hair. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a similar experience with that game as well. That's the most hours I've put into a Switch game. But I found the same thing. I I, I, don't yeah. know, I think I might have played 65 hours, but I got to the point where little that cool pop star dog comes to the island and plays a concert and they rolled the credits and I was like, oh, okay. Okay. The and then after that, I sort of was like, oh, well, I'll just make my island look a bit bit more appealing. And then after that, I was sort of like, you know, what am I doing now? So that's when I sort of let that one Yeah, and I think if they, they have the brought out since then different expansion packs like or DLC for it where, you know, mm. and they look great, but they needed to come quicker. I think it, they waited way too long and people lost interest, but people are still playing it. So, yeah, I'd love to go back and see how many... Weeds, my island has. I'll be picking all day. <laughs> well, uh, so I guess the the message from Casey is uh, her island is full of weed, and uh, Nintendo need to come quicker. I uh, knew you. Yes, I knew it. As soon as I said weeds, I knew it. I can't wait to do your intro. And, and, and this is a wholesome game, apparently. Uh, Family kids, friendly, wholesome fun, shit, interesting. <laughs> Thank you very much, Casey. No, we much yeah. appreciate that uh, that yeah, little uh, rundown of uh, Animal Crossing. Uh, what about you, Ferg? What game have you spent an embarrassing amount of hours on? 
Um, I had I did a little bit of research on this one because I had to check a few different accounts of different things. But <clears throat> my number one played game on Steam, which I think is probably going to be number one overall of all time, is get this Farming Simulator 2019. What a there goes your time. <laughs> it's gone. Um, this is a game that I think... Oh, I don't know what my play count is. It's a bit over 350 hours. Oh. Um, so a decent chunk of time. But again, it's got... Oh. I'm a, and it? I'm 350 hours. 350 hours. It gets better, JB. Oh, my but... God, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's... What? I... Tell me, where did the time <laughs> Time went sowing potatoes, <laughs> tending yeah. to my sheep, cutting down trees. JB, that's where it all went. No, this it takes a long time to get enough money in the game to actually buy the forestry equipment as well. Yeah, this, um, is, yeah, this is true. That's where the the grind is. But no, it, it's I'm huge on these simulation games. I I find them more than anything um, just therapeutic. Similar to mm. what Casey was saying about Animal Crossing, you know, you have a hard day at work, you're, you're busy, you're stressed out, you know, the last thing you want to do is come home and try to put on, I don't know, like an Elden Ring type game and just get frustrated. <laughs> you just want to chill out, you just want to chill out, take it easy, not think too much, just relax and yeah, the Farming Simulator series in itself has always been a game in that list that I've always used but, you know, I was thinking about other games I potentially played a lot of hours in Um I don't know around specific games, but there's quite a few series which over the years, over you know my lifetime, I would have put in heaps of hours. So, you know, I'm thinking anything over sort of 500 hours and that would be Farming Simulator for sure. I think I put 150 hours into 2017 on PS4 and I would have played 2015 back in the day. So that gets you over 500 with a 350. NBA 2K, I bought religiously every year for about six or seven years. That would I would have easily gone over 500 hours in that series. Other one as well is the Sims series, which I don't know, but it'd have to be more than 500. I played Sims one. The Sims, you say? Sims two. <laughs> mm, yeah. So Sims one, two, three, and now four across them, and I reckon I even had some of the spin-offs on Game Boy and stuff like that. So that'd be. They'd be all cracking 500 and I don't know. Mm. As far as individual games and other series which might go close to pushing a lot of hours, obviously I play, I played Guild, War 2, Guild Wars 2 rather for many years. Destiny 2 is a big one. Obviously the Fallout series, Battlefield, and then there's probably a fair bit of time spent playing your Fortnites and Call of Duty. War Gosh, Fortnite. There's yeah. one that, that's one for our list too. God, just leaves that you wondering. Was... Tell me, where did the time <laughs> I haven't even played Farming Simulator 22 yet, JB, so you can only imagine uh, well, there's going to be another... Yeah, Farming Simulator 22 is pretty good. Yeah. I, I've got it, and, and yeah, I mean... I, How do they differ? Uh, it's mainly just new equipment and new things. So in Farming Simulator 22, for example, you can uh, you can actually go and buy um, like a place that turns your grain into cereal, and then you can sell cereal. Wow. And, like it, it sort of expands your supply chain so you can you can set up like 
beehives on your farm, for example, to, to harvest honey, but then you can actually buy the next stage in the process where the honey goes to and where it gets processed. Okay. And, and so it gives you a lot of options there. And then obviously by if you own the factory that turned your grain into cereal, then you know you, you, you earn money when you sell the grain to the factory and then you, you earn money again when the factory sells the, yeah. the cereal to the, the consumer. It's like having a second job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's incredibly detailed. I mean, yeah. Um, They've really done uh, a great job of uh, building the game. Mm. Um, Seasons was the other big change from 19 to 22. So different crops at different times of the year and stuff like that. So it was another big change this time around. Yeah. I mean, uh, Farming Simulator was built by Giants Software. I believe they're a German developer, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a big part of the game is they've just got all the all the rights to you know all the the, the biggest names in farming equipment, you know, brands like New Holland and um, John, Deere. John Deere and Case yeah. and all of those sorts of um, products. So their their biggest thing is oh, you know, we, we've we've got a hundred different tractors, we've got you know thirty different headers that you can buy. There's there's just so many different things, and then each each year when they release a new version, or each couple of years when they release a new version, the Oh, we've now given you the ability to harvest grapes and, you know, a grape machine and you know, just uh I guess they just expand on what you can actually farm. Yeah. So yeah. but uh I mean, without a doubt, um, you know, you sink you start sinking your teeth into farming simulator and there, there goes a week. There goes your there goes your time. Yeah. No, I haven't yet to jump into that one, but I definitely will be at some point. Well, I think that's uh, that's about all, all that we've got time for this week on the Descending Gamer podcast. I would like to thank my amazing uh, DG crew. Thank you very much, Simon Steely McLaughlin. Oh, thank you, Joel. I would always come to help you plough your fields. <laughs> Thanks, mate. And I'd like to thank uh, Casey C. Mac McLaughlin. And thank you once again for your review of Kirby and the Forgotten Land. I'll get it right this time, not Forgotten Kingdom. That's okay. Thank you very much. Sorry, I had to leave That's abruptly. Right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get hammered on Twitter this week for calling it the wrong name, but, uh, you know. Oh, uh, I'm going to smack this. Yeah. That, Shots. Shots. Uh, you know, what do you do? And nah. finally, uh, thank you, uh, the Sultan of Steam, Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Thank you for joining me today. And uh, please follow us on all the socials and drop us a line. We are Discerning Gamer Podcast on Instagram. We are the Discerning Gamer on Facebook. And we are Discerning Pod on Twitter. If you want to send us an email, we're discerninggamerpodcast at gmail.com. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. See ya. See ya.